Good afternoon, I'm your host Jimmy Kim and you're watching the greatest show on the planet, The Jimmy Kim Show. To the audience out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We have an awesome episode. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing former Fort Bend County top constable, retired U.S. Army colonel, and also a chief, a current chief business executive. So we're going to go and start. And Trevor, thank you for coming to the studio. And go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Jimmy, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you this afternoon. It's a wonderful honor uh, to be on your show. And I look forward to this interview to let people in Fort Bend County know a little bit more about me and what I, uh, my background. Sure. All right. So let's go ahead and start with, uh, yeah, some background about yourself sure. and feel free to talk about your, your family as well. Well, Jimmy, you know that I've been in Fort Bend County for 30 years and I was a law enforcement officer 20 years with the Sugarland Police Department and then I served with the constable's office as the elected Precinct 4 constable, which encompasses a good majority of Sugarland, Missouri City. And, uh, and now I'm into uh, the independent sector, for example, uh, I'm the CEO of a biotech firm, and we can get into that here in a little bit. Right. But as a 30-year law, law enforcement professional in Fort Bend County, I know a lot of people in Fort Bend County, and a lot of people know who uh, Trevor Nails is. It's, it's clear that uh, my twin brother Troy Nails is the elected congressman. We're identical twins. We're quite right. often, uh, it's confusing for people, which one am I talking to? But we have a long history in Fort Bend County, and it's been 30 years. So, uh, but I grew up in the state of Wisconsin, as you can probably tell, I have an accent that is not Texas. It's unique. It's, it's unique, <laughs> and it's a Midwestern accent, the state of Wisconsin. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so okay. I'm one of seven siblings. I right. have five older brothers and an older sister, and I and my twin brother, Troy, are the youngest of right. the seven. Uh, my father served in the Korean War, and he was the recipient of the Distinguished Service Cross, which is one below the Medal of Honor, Jimmy, oh, for wow. his actions yeah. in Korea. And growing up, he was our hero as a result of what he did fighting for our country in the U.S. Army in the Korean War. But then he returns from Korea, Jimmy, and he entered the law enforcement field. And he was a law enforcement professional in Dodge County, Wisconsin. It's a smaller county, maybe 85,000 people, but he was the elected sheriff Oh. So he moved up through the ranks and became the elected sheriff. Right. So when I think of my background as a 30-year law enforcement professional and then 33 years within the Army National Guard, Army Reserve, I'm thinking, why did all that take place? It took place because that's exactly what my father did. I have an older brother, Todd. He was also the elected sheriff in Dodge County, Wisconsin. He's no longer the sheriff, uh, but he was also a 35-year military professional in the U.S. Army. And then, of course, my twin brother, Troy, who was the constable in Precinct 4, Fort Bend County Sheriff, and now he's a congressional member. He also did 21 years in the U.S. Army, retiring as the grade of major. So when I think about where I am today, I'm going to be 54 years old in April. You look way younger than well, that, Trevor. Well, and I appreciate that. It's clean living, Jimmy. But I think of, I like that. I think of those years serving as a public servant, selfless service, not selfish service, service to yes. the community, whether it's in law enforcement, military, I, get, I do that because uh, that's what my father taught me and that's what he did and I couldn't be more proud of what he did for his community and also our country. Yeah, so it seems like you and your brother got all of your inspiration from your father. Without that's question. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Without question. Sounds like a great individual. Yes. Is he still? No, he, okay. he's been dead for uh, about 14 years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I wish I could have met him and told him thank yes. you. Well, thank yeah. you and your, your brother and then the rest of your family for yes. your service in the military and law enforcement yes. and also in public yeah, as an elected official right yes. now, your brother. And, yeah, that's that's very important for me to say that because my ancestry is actually Korean-American. Okay. So it's I'm thankful for your father for fighting, you know, yes. alongside South Korea. And that's yes. actually why I'm here. You know, he yeah. was with the 45th Infantry Division in Oklahoma. So when he was still with us, uh, we traveled up to Oklahoma with him to visit the 45th Infantry Division Museum. And of course, when you're a Distinguished Service Cross recipient or Medal of Honor recipient, uh, your names are in the books wow. up yeah. there. And, and his name's up in the books within the 45th Infantry Division out of Oklahoma. So um, 
So he's a legend. I, he, I, well, anybody, War hero. anybody yeah. that receives, you know, a Medal of Honor, Distinguished Service Cross, or any other award, yeah. um, it, it's, you, you have to appreciate their service because it can cost one their lives right. by serving in war. And war can be very tragic. But anybody that serves in the military, I think they're great Americans. Yeah, I certainly. Simply put, just great Americans, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I thank all military people that have served in law enforcement, yes. military, and even our firefighters. But mm-hmm. then the people that earn those decorations, that's like another level of yes. respect. And I seldom give that out just like on a, on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. But yeah, that's definitely those the ones that achieve and receive and that are awarded for those highest decorations, that's on a different level. Uh, And I know you have a lot of those yourself. Uh, We'll discuss that a little bit later. Uh, But if you can, I know you had a long tenure uh, in the Army, and when you retired just a little while ago, you achieved the rank of Colonel, is that correct? Yes, I retired last August, on August 1st of 2021, at the rank of Colonel. That's right. 33 years of continuous service. Wow, that's a long time. And, that's uh, almost, I said this earlier. That's almost as long yeah, as I've been born yes. on this planet, Trevor. Yes. So thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So I entered service sure. in 1988 as an right. infantryman, went to Fort Benny, Georgia, did all the infantry training and so right. on. And I was an enlisted person for about three years before I attended officer candidate school. Huh. So there's a difference between officer rank and enlisted right. rank. But I felt that I had the leadership potential to go on to be an officer. So in 1991, I graduated from the officer candidate school, becoming commissioned as a second lieutenant. And then, of course, you got to do a certain number of years as a second lieutenant, prove yourself, and then you make first lieutenant, and then you do well as a captain, and then major, lieutenant, colonel, colonel, and so on within the military ranks. But it took 33 years for me to achieve the rank of colonel Uh, But in those 33 years, and they were wonderful years, Jimmy, multiple combat deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait. But I had the opportunity to lead troops at the company level as a company commander. About how, what's the size for that? Well, it just depends. It depends what companies. But the company I had was a combat engineer company. There may be 190. But you're a captain. You've been in the service six, eight, ten years. You're still fairly junior. And then I, I had a command as a, a, a battalion, as a lieutenant colonel. Now you're looking at anywhere between 17 and 22, 23 years of service right. as a battalion commander. Right. And it was a true honor to be selected to command a brigade. And brigade commanders are full colonels, the eagle. We call them full colonels because yes. you have lieutenant colonel and colonel. And that was the last command I had. And then it was a little over two years ago I was deployed to Kuwait where I served as a staff officer, as a colonel, on a two-star general's staff. And we did that for nine months. I came back in April of 20. And I think that's when we met, when you came back. Yeah, that, that's possible. Around I mean, we were time. at the height yeah. of COVID. Right. I mean, so things were, weren't moving as rapidly as, as I thought when I returned. Uh, but it was sort of the onset of COVID. Right, okay. Yeah, I know th- in that long tenure your career as a military officer there's probably many stories to tell i wish we could share all of them today but we only have you know an hour so next uh can you can you describe to us your career as a constable so you're fort bend county which precinct i was the elected constable of precinct four okay precinct four yeah okay if you can tell us about yeah now the lines have been redrawn oh yeah but precinct four at the time was a good majority of sugarland and then it had parts of missouri city and it ran out 99 to like Waterside, Fieldstone, Longmeadow Farms, sort of those new areas along 99 that have been in existence maybe the last 10 to 15 years. So I was the constable of Precinct 4, and I was a two-term constable. Eight years? Eight years, two four-year terms. And I left Sugarland after 20 years as a result of winning the election in 2012 to be the constable in 2013. Otherwise, I'd probably be at Sugarland Police today. Don't Mm. know what role or what capacity I would be serving in. But I I enjoyed my service as the constable of Precinct 4 for eight years. And then I decided to run for sheriff as a result of my my brother leaving that position to run for Congress. Yes. So I thought I would be be a perfect transition leave from the constable's office and go over to the sheriff's office. But that didn't work out in 2020. And here we are today. Well, I, I, I always say this, uh, 
even the best of us. You win some, you lose some. Yes. It's just part of life. So. Indeed. <laughs> but I'm glad you're still fighting. Oh, you're yes. still out. Because some of the people that are not, that they if they don't win, I never yes. see them again. Yes. And some of those are really good yes. people. And going a little bit back to your, your military career, so I wasn't aware you're a Mustang officer as well. So you saw the enlisted side and the, the yes, officer side. Yes, indeed I yeah. did. So you got a lot more respect yes. from the troops. So I, I, Jimmy, I was digging plenty of foxholes. I'm sure you when were. When I was a yeah. private and a specialist. Yeah, yeah. But then I wanted to get into the leadership. Right. Okay. Exactly yeah, I wasn't aware I of that. But that, yes, yeah, sir. that's very interesting. Because yeah. as I just said, I know those the Mustang officers get a, a bit more respect because they've yes. been in the enlisted person's Indeed. shoes rather than like fresh out of school, That's ROTC. Right. <laughs> they've been there. They've done that. Exactly. You hear that yeah, age. yeah. And that, that, that makes a big difference. It does. Because otherwise, how can you have that relatability if you've never been there? And the enlisted, specifically your sergeants, staff sergeants, platoon sergeants, right. they'll know whether you came out of the enlisted rank. Oh, they can tell Everybody right away. Knows. Yeah, yeah, they can right pick away. it up just like that. <laughs> Indeed. Just a few sentences that yes. they already know. Yeah. Yes. Next, Trevor. So you're currently the chief executive officer and president of a a Fort Bend County biotechnology company. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, yes. Yeah. So tell us more so, about that as well. Uh, yeah. It was about 18 months ago where a company uh, sought me out and we had an interview and they explained what they do at a, a local biotech company here in Richmond, Texas. And they says, we would love you for your leadership to get us in the right direction. They recognized my 30 years of law enforcement service and my military record and they thought well look at this guy he's achieved a very high rank in the military yes. he was a leader in law enforcement he's got leadership skills so i joined the company and that's what i'm doing today as the president of the company uh, what we do each and every day is we produce a liquid organic fertilizer so it's it's agriculturally based if you put the liquid and you use it on a farm no matter what plant you grow, it'll increase the yield of the plant. You get significant yield increase in the plant. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, what's unique about it is it, our product breaks down pesticide residues. And you know, the, the lands throughout the world are highly contaminated because the amount of fertilizers, right. pesticides being used on soils. Yes. And I understand why farmers use insecticides, herbicides, prevent weeds, things of that nature. And right. I get it, right. I understand it. But the end product that comes out of the soil, it could be riddled with pesticide or residues right. that are harmful to the body. Yes. So our product, and we have a model, it's called curing the earth. So what we wanna do as a company is have our product throughout different parts of the world, uh, specifically on lands that are just littered with pesticides or other chemicals because our product will assist with that and uh, and it'll increase yield in anything you grow on the surface. And it's a lot cleaner. Is it non-GMO as well? Yes, in fact so it it's is. Organic it's organic and non-GMO. And we, oh. we have what's called OMRI certification. It's, an, it's, yeah. a, it's a certification for organic products and we're very, very proud of that. Yeah, I, yes. I I like the sound of the product too. Yes. I mean, obviously, I need I would need more details, yes. but uh, based on what you've told me, I think that's great. Because mm -hmm. I I personally like organic yes. products as well, and if it helps reduce that that pesticide, mm -hmm. uh, those substances in yes. the plants and get a better yield, I think it's really good for the environment as well as uh, for us if there are uh, things that we consume. So this experience, Jimmy, in the private sector, right, has beneficial for me because you know if you're in law enforcement you're working for the government you're in the military right. government but the private sector has really opened my eyes the True. importance of of business right. in small businesses and in small businesses is really the heartbeat of the American economy it's the right. engine that drives it absolutely so I, I've learned that as the president of the biotech company and uh, I appreciate anyone that starts a business yeah. and the risk they take to start a business. Right. So um, I'm an advocate for small business. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yes. So it's a small size company? Or about yes, like we're, 50 a startup. we're a budding startup. Okay. Uh, we're going to be expanding here uh, in 2022 okay. as a result of some of the initiatives that we have taking place throughout the world. Okay. Yeah. I think for uh, any anybody out there that's just been in like public, public service their whole life, yeah, yes. that private sector experience, I think it's critical. Yes. Because yeah, there's a lot of things that sometimes the government related jobs they 
they don't get exposure to that the private sector and like the importance of you know the bottom line and yes. marketing getting out there talking to people so yeah i think that's great that you're getting to experience all these different things yeah because most yeah. people in their lifetime they just do one one of these things that we've discussed yes right right trevor yes <laughs> so yeah that's awesome next what is since you're a former law enforcement officer, Trevor, what is the current state of law enforcement uh, in Fort Bend County and the greater Houston area, as well as your thoughts about like around the country? Sure. Well, if we start with just uh, Fort Bend County, Fort Bend County is a great county to live. And anyone that's had any time in Fort Bend County, they've seen the growth. But with growth, there can bring problems yes. as a result of growth. Fort Bend County is now over 830,000 people. But if you look statistically, it's one of the safest counties, large size counties in the state of Texas. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, indeed it is. Mm. And that's a credit to uh, the leadership. Yes. Uh, whether it's a municipal agency, Sugarland, Missouri City, Meadows, they all have police chiefs, Rosenberg, Richmond. But it's a credit to the leadership of the law enforcement agencies to stay connected to their community because you only can have safe communities if the police are connected to the people. Oh, yeah. You got to have both. Oh, they yeah, can't be yeah. independent of each other in order yeah. to be successful. But I think the state of law enforcement in Fort Bend County is good. I think that um, we need to continue to keep an eye on some of the trends we see taking place in the larger metropolitan areas. Right. Like and Houston. I specifically yeah. mentioned Houston right. with some of the issues. But if we go back the last 18 months, two years, and some of the rioting that took place, specifically more your defund the police movement, we can't have the movement of defund the police in Fort Bend County. If that movement comes out to Fort Bend County, I think that the residents of Fort Bend County, number one, would reject it. I don't I think they would buy off on it. But I think we would start to see a negative return or the negative effects of defunding or any sort of defunding the police in Fort Bend County. I am not aware of any movement right now, whether it's a municipal agency or a county agency, where they're going to <clears throat> defund the police in Fort Bend County. But as long as we keep that mentality, that law enforcement is crucial to the safety and security of their community, and we want safe streets, because that ultimately bleeds over into schools, residential values, property values, business startups, but if you don't have good law enforcement in your community, people will recognize that. Yes. And then what they do, they either relocate to an area they feel more comfortable or they just drive on with the situation that exists. But right. that's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it creates much of a ripple effect, Without as you're saying. The second and third order effects of yeah. lack of uh, a law enforcement presence in safe and secure streets and communities, right. significant. Yeah, I've spoken, I've, I've said this on the show before, it's, to me, it's very odd why people would get behind something like defunding the police. Yeah. It's not even a partisan issue. It's not a yes. Democrat or a, Republic, a Republican thing. Yes. I mean, if you just use your common sense, like, do you really want that? Because if you're in trouble, like, who are you going to call? I mean, I'll call 911. <laughs> call well, the police. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it never made any sense from the beginning no. why they're politicizing this thing. Well, it gained some momentum early on. Right. It's, uh, and... I think that momentum has now um, dwindled. We know that Austin Police Department, I think it was $900 million. Because Austin is really this, our San Francisco, I mean, the, like California. Right. So yeah, Austin, we, we understand what Austin is. Sure. And I, I believe it was a $900 million. Defunding? Defunding. Oh, but I believe, I believe yeah. that there was some initiatives put together, and I think they're going to get the money back. Okay. Because they realize, I think the people in Austin, no matter what side you are on, left, right, right as I was just saying, yeah, it doesn't matter. Everyone <laughs> wants to live and feel safe and secure yeah. in their homes at night, yeah. especially for their children. Right. We want safety and security in their schools. I have three teenagers, Jimmy. Yeah. I don't want my children to have to worry about some person walking into the school and shooting up a school. I would put more officers and pay a little more in taxes to make sure our schools were safe and secure. Not that they're not, Jimmy. But what I'm, what I'm here to tell you is the safety and security of our schools and our businesses and our streets is critically important to economic vitality. Make sure it's, it's vibrant. Absolutely. we got to yeah. have it. Otherwise, people will recognize it and they'll move on. 
Yeah, and yeah, we don't want people living in our communities in fear. That's right. Or even like, we don't want good people leaving either. Yes. Because that happens sometimes. And yeah, so I, I'm so glad we, we agree on this topic because as I said, it's sure. at one point I feel like it was just, it was going crazy. It was getting out of hand. It was a bit frustrating to me because I've supported, you know, law enforcement officers for a while because yes. I learned early on that I had I was I was very lucky and grateful to have friends that were uh, police officers and that's when I knew hey these these guys are just like my friends yes. they're not sometimes what they're portrayed to be sometimes in the the mainstream media they're not yeah. evil and they're not out to get you no they're just like your next door neighbor yes your 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 son your friend your husband your just your, anybody just normal they're no, yes. they're very normal yeah and they want the best for their communities right when you enter the law enforcement field, Jimmy, you don't do it for the money. You right. Don't. You don't get because wealthy from doing it. That, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. And a law enforcement officer knows that each and every right. day. Yeah. Now, if they achieve a specific senior rank or become a chief, well, then they're making a little more comfortable of a living. But they know that could take them 20 years to ever get there. So right. those that enter law enforcement aren't in it for the money. They yeah. truly love service. Right. To protect others. That's applaudable for anybody that enters the law enforcement community knowing the state of law enforcement today where your integrity is questioned yes each and every day oh yeah people question your integrity is he telling the truth is he not and that should be a concern for any of us that live in America because I think what you're seeing is less and less Americans specifically young Americans entering the law enforcement field so today we have body cameras, we have audio recorders. Everything an officer does each and every day, it must be recorded, traffic stops, the case. And I'm for programs like that because it'll differentiate right or wrong, so on and so forth. But when you think of 30, 40 years ago, when I was a little, little boy and I would look up at my dad's sheriff's deputies, what I saw was the shiny badge and I saw the gun on the show, on the show, on the hip. Mm -hmm. That's what I saw. But I had such admiration and respect for right. the uniform and what right. the badge represented. Unfortunately, I think today that that has diminished, yeah. significantly diminished. You don't have uh, people paying any respect to law enforcement anymore. They're calling them names and doing things they shouldn't be doing. And when your country erodes in the rule of law or law and order arena, that can spell a lot of problems yes. for a country or a community. We've seen things taking place in Seattle, Baltimore, some of these larger metropolitan cities. But just think if you were that business owner that we praise, the small business owner, and you were in those specific areas where buildings were being burned, Law enforcement won't go into the community because they feel they don't have the support of the community. That's a recipe for disaster, Jimmy. Yeah, that's terrible. Indeed. You know, I'm so glad you brought up the the situation with the oversight for each police officer. I, I do. I, I think it's gotten a bit out of hand. Uh, I feel like it should be that the departments, they should provide enough training and, and good equipment where they can trust them to do their job instead of watching them 24 seven with, with all these devices that you had just yes. talked about. Cause you, that, that's what you had just gave us that anecdote, anecdote for. Cause yes. back in the day you trusted your police officers yes. to do the right thing. Well, Jimmy, let me, and let me add to that just for a moment. Right. So yes, they're, they're carrying body cameras and devices to record conversations, contacts with the public. Right. And I'm not against any of that. In fact, right. the deputies at precinct four, we were one of the first to have body-worn cameras amongst the county agencies. But as the constable, when I would interview a, a, an applicant or someone that we were considering hiring, we would talk about integrity. Yes. Because some of the, like younger, some of the yeah. younger, you know, if you're 25, 26, they see what's taking place across the country, how law enforcement officers are being assaulted, more of them are being killed. I mean, it, there's a war on cops. There is no question about it in our country. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yes. But I would sit with them as they would sit across my desk and I would say, hey, listen, your integrity is going to be called into question. And it'll be called into question probably quite often. But I always remember this. As an individual, I can't take your integrity from you. 
you have to give it away. So do the right thing each and every time, right. and your integrity will probably not be called into question. And the point is, don't ever lie. If you lie, you've given away your integrity. I can't take it, you must give it away. And we'd have those conversations about integrity because it's a very difficult career today. And I pray for all the officers across our country, considering the state of our times. But I'm hoping we can get it back to what it once was, where there was respect for law enforcement. I think the, the pay needs to increase within the law enforcement community. I agree, yeah. And you know, I've been out of it for now a little over a year. So I'll have to ask some of my leaders, or some of the leaders here in Fort Bend County, how recruitment's taking place. Uh, right. What is their attrition rate? People leave in the field to get into some other field. Because I don't have any of that data, but I wish I did, but I think it'd be interesting to find out. Right, well, hopefully we can start turning that around from starting right here. That's why we're having these conversations. Yes. And you know, what I like to do on the show is identify you know, uh, issues and problems in the community and then talk about the solutions with yes. you know, people, the authority figures on those topics, like yeah. we've been talking about military, uh, law enforcement, and even you know, businesses you're a chief executive of a business going back a little bit what was your if you were to pick one of your favorites did you would your favorite be military law enforcement or as a chief executive in a business what did you what would be your number one well if i look at the three different careers right. law enforcement military and now in the private sector Right. I really can't say private sector because I haven't been in it nearly as long as okay. the other two. You know, you're looking at 30 years, right, right. pretty much yeah. my entire adult life. Right. But I've enjoyed law enforcement, but most of my true memories and greatest moments were in the military. Okay. And I say that because of what I alluded to earlier, the commands I've held, which is a significant responsibility. Right. And when I mentioned the deployments, because within the military, you develop bonds, very strong bonds, right. specifically when they're in combat zones. You saw a lot of that. Yes, and, right. and yeah. as a result of that, I built lifelong friendships because it's never about you. It's the person to your left and your right because your life may be in their hands and vice versa. So some of, of when I'm sitting back in my rocking chair at 75, 80 years, whatever the case may be, and I'm recalling back to my life, I think many of my greatest memories will be as a member of the military service. Not to discount the law enforcement, because I've had many great moments right. there also. But right. if I had to pick one, I would say the scales would tip toward the military, and then it would be very close second with law enforcement in my career as a police officer. Right. Well, also in the military, you're operating on a larger scale. I mean, yes. you were international Indeed. versus Fort Bend County. I mean, it's still yes. a big county, but it's yes. not the scope of what you're doing. There's a big difference. There. And Jimmy, and you're experiencing things. Right. And overseas. Yeah, you're traveling it's, everywhere. Whether yeah. it's Iraq or Afghanistan. And right. I'm thinking of my time in Iraq and the those I got to deal with and the places I got to, to go, the Babylon ruins. Um, if you recall the gentleman Muqtad al-Sadr in the Jaff, Iraq, I would drive by his house all the time. I mean, Muqtad al-Sadr, a significant uh, person at the time. But you're, seeing, you're a part of history Absolutely. When, you, when, you, yeah. when you're involved in things of that nature. And the amount of government leaders I met in Iraq and Afghanistan and even in Kuwait, I mean, the names are still being called upon today. They're present. They're, 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 they're leaders. But you get that as a member of the military, specifically if you become a senior member in the military, lieutenant colonel, colonel. So uh, I, I'm just thankful to God that I had the opportunity to serve in the military, and I don't have any regrets, none at all. Yeah, I can tell just by yeah. the expression on your face. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yes. Next, so tomorrow's actually election day. Any thoughts on election day and just civic engagement overall? Well, all your listeners. Uh, viewers, listeners, I hope that they take the opportunity to vote tomorrow if they didn't vote early. What we're seeing in Fort Bend County is a low turnout, but I think historically midterm elections are low turnout. I think it's everywhere. Right? Compared right, to Trevor? a general election. You yeah. know, I'm not sure. I don't know what the numbers are in Harris County, but I would think it yeah. trickles down into these suburban counties too. So, but I encourage 
everyone to vote. And it doesn't matter where you are, left, right. It does Let's not go matter. do it. But just exercise the right because many gave their lives it's true. for that privilege because it's a privilege. You know, I was talking about you have a right to vote. It should be more of a privilege, sort of like a driver's license. Right. People think, I have a right to a driver's license. No, it's a privilege to drive. And you should look at voting the same way because if you want to participate in the Democrat process, go to the polls and vote. Right. And I encourage people to go vote tomorrow, because yeah. tomorrow, March 1st, is Election Day. Yeah, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., is that correct? I'm confident it's a, a good 12 hours, 7 yeah. to yeah. 7 p.m. So you got a lot of time. Yeah. Yes. Go vote, get out there, and yeah, choose your best candidates for yes. the job. Yes. And I want to mention real quick, and you are running for Fort Bend County Judge, is that correct? Or? I'm a candidate on the sure. Republican ticket for okay. Fort Bend County Judge. I right. yes. just wanted to inform the audience, because yeah, they, some people may know, some may not. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts about, you know, since you're a former military officer, yes. uh, your thoughts about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now with Vladimir Putin t uh, almost taking over the country of Ukraine? And it's obviously something that is dominating the news cycle. Yes. Obviously, Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine. And I think that the world right now is looking at this situation and the world's going to hold Mr. Putin accountable for it. I truly believe that. You hear through various media outlets, some think he's not thinking clearly. Why would he go to this extent? He can't win this, so on and so forth. But I caution people, or I want people to be a little skeptical about what they see. Doesn't matter what news station it may be. Just be skeptical about what you hear or see with the media today. And we can get into the media here shortly. Yes. But I think that Mr. Putin will be held accountable. I'm not sure exactly how far he rolls in with respect to Ukraine. I think the next three to five days will give us a good indication of what his true intent is. But I am of the belief that if he truly, truly wanted to take over Ukraine, he'd have done it. he could have done it early on. With I shock, figure. Shock and awe. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he, it, it, he does have a significant military. Oh, yeah. And he could have done that. But I don't know if he realized the extent of the resistance. Because the resistance, you've got a lot of civilians involved. Right. Now you start talking civilian casualties, things of that nature. He could be held as a war criminal. Yeah. Don't know. But I just hope that this is resolved peacefully because I feel sorry for the people of Ukraine. In fact, we did a, a little deal for the people of Ukraine in my church where we put some funds together to help out with the humanitarian assistance. Mm. And that's what I did. I did some of that in the military too, humanitarian assistance in some of these different countries. But I just think of the young mothers or the young children in Ukraine that this is not their problem, this is not their fault. This is just a rogue gentleman, Mr. Putin, went into their country when all they want to do is just live peacefully. Right. The fathers over there get up every day, Jimmy, I'm sure, like you and I. They want to get their kids off to school. They want to go to their job, pick the kids up after school, get them fed, do their homework, and just live peacefully. And that's what I think most people want to do across this world. They just want to have safety and security, raise their family, have enough money, take a couple vacations, enjoy life, and just have their kids basically take over one day and then they can have children. And it's generation upon generation. Right, right now I think what's taking place in Ukraine, I'm not sure a seven-year-old is very optimistic of what it could be like in three, five, 10, 15 years in Ukraine. But I'm hoping the global order comes together and holds Mr. Putin accountable for what he did. But I think it's a little too, too early on right now to determine what ultimately is going to end or what's the end state of Mr. Putin because I can't figure it out because I think what he's doing, I'm thinking it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I was thinking no the same sense. thing, Trevor. Yeah. yeah. It makes no sense to me. Uh, with the size of his military? Yeah, with yeah. the size of his military and, and sort of what he's doing. Right. But, uh, you know, the fact that there's media outlets being able to publish or, or let us know some of the things taking place, that, that's good news because think about 40, 50 years ago, you didn't have that immediate contact or immediate information at your fingertips by just no, right. turning on the news yeah. where the president of the country can do Zoom or 
through Facebook, true. whatever he does yeah. to let yeah. you know what's, what's taking place. So that's a benefit to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, we... I hope it's resolved peacefully, uh, that's for sure. I don't know what, um, what more our president's gonna do in regard to uh, Mr. Putin, but I know that uh, there are more and more sanctions taking place. Right, even, think, even as we speak, yeah, it's I happening. Think the pressure, yeah, I think the pressure yeah. is gonna build and build and build. And hopefully it comes out to a peaceful resolution and Mr. Putin withdraws his forces and Ukraine can get on. And then the Russian people hold, hold their president accountable. Because I don't think we saw or witnessed unrest or, or, or protesting like they are witnessing in Moscow today, where the people are saying, I don't agree with this. I don't think that took place in previous years or, or decades past where the people of Russia really stood up. So I think the, the people of Russia are obviously letting Mr. Putin know they don't agree with his actions. Now, I don't know if it's a majority, I don't have any numbers, right. but when you see what's taking place with protests in and around Moscow, it should be a definitely uh, something that Mr. Putin should take into consideration. But we know he's rogue. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. unpredictable. Yeah. Next, you mentioned a little bit about it earlier. Your thoughts on just the media uh, overall, including some of the social media, yeah. in terms of that current state and how they're focused on getting out one message? Yeah. And, you know, this, so this morning my 15-year-old son, Wyatt, and I do have three children. Uh, my daughter's 17, Madison. Okay. Uh, I have a son, Wyatt. He's 15, going to be 16 in May. He'll have a driver's license, so be careful out there. <laughs> and then my 14-year-old's name is Parker. So That must be a handful, Trevor, yeah, four, at that yeah, age three range. Teenagers. <laughs> so I stay quite busy. So I've got the three teenagers, and my son Wyatt comes down this morning. He says, Dad, uh, are we, is this going to be World War Three? Are we going to go to war? I go, right. son. He goes, well, all my friends feel that there's going to be nuclear war. We're going to go to war. There's going to be war in Europe, so on and so forth. And I said, son, where do you hear this? And it's TikTok. TikTok? So he sees different, you know, and every teenager's track in some social media site, right, right. whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, in a variety of the different platforms that exist. Right. But he was describing to me a video to where uh, I think some military per people, and they come up to the person's door, and they pound on a door, and they say, uh, we're going to recruit your son, mm -hmm. going into the Army, World War III is coming. And young impressionable youth may think that, that that's yeah. actually taking place so when i mentioned social media earlier we have to as parents and i have to even be more responsible myself my wife carrie and i about what our children are either watching on their computer through social media platforms or on their phones right because my son tell me many many of his friends actually think we're gonna this, this is world war three coming until he talks to his dad, a military veteran, explains, son, settle down, we're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, so when I look at social media, I look at big tech, and I look at the mainstream media, dishonest media, and it can be on the left and the right, dishonest media, I truly believe those are existential threats to our country. I would say a dishonest media today in our country is more of a threat than the Russians. And you may be thinking, well, Trevor, why would you think that way? Well, look at how divided we are as a country based upon partisanship, a political divide. Yes. The vax versus the unvaccinated, the mask wearers versus the non-mask wearers, those that feel we need a border versus those that we feel don't need a border. There are just a lot of key issues there that divide, and I personally think it's dividing families. I believe oh, marriages, yeah. yep. Jimmy, I truly believe marriages have been affected and divorces as a result of COVID masks or vaccines. Because I do not believe there is any true credible source today that exists where the American people can resort to to get the truth with a, a, an issue that is very controversial. And I know you're, you're much younger than I, Jimmy, but back in the day when I would watch the 5 p.m. news in the evening with my parents, there was a gentleman named Walter Cronkite. Well, when Walter Cronkite spoke to you on the TV, you thought, now that guy was trustworthy. 
And then we had, within your business, Paul Harvey. Remember Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey was a gentleman that he, he would talk on the radio and he would talk about, give the news and then he would talk about some different stories. But everybody, if you listen to Paul Harvey, you believed everything he said because he was credible right. and he was honorable. I can't think of today one person that I could watch on TV that's in the news and say, I believe that guy from the core of my being 100% and think it's truthful. That's the problem that exists today. Right. And we're divided and we want to continue, or those that want to continue to divide our country. And that should be a concern for each and every one of us. And COVID is probably one of those issues, very controversial, that has really put a lot of division in our country. And it's sad. And it's all about the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. But whether it's the Biden administration, any other administration, even state, local officials saying, you do this, because I'm of the belief, I don't believe government should be telling us what to do each and every time when it comes to our health and so on and so forth. No, our private it's lives. Overreach. It's, <laughs> it's overreach. <laughs> it's significant overreach. But I think you're seeing now a movement to uh, through school boards where parents are speaking up. Oh, yeah. Because with COVID, everybody's at home, and now they see their children on the computer, and they may get a little glimpse or listen to what's being taught. And it may raise the attention of mom or dad to say, why are they teaching that in our schools? So I think that COVID has brought about this movement where parents are gonna be a lot more involved in their children's education. Because right. before they just dropped Johnny and Susie off at school, they went to work and it was Groundhog Day. So there has been some benefit to this idea of stay at home uh, with school because parents are gonna be more involved in their children's education. Yeah, I've been seeing it because the parents are frustrated quite, quite frankly and some of those parents are running for like school boards. Yes, and justifiably <laughs> and they won. so. And justifiably so. Right. So you're seeing now the the transition. Oh yeah. There's a yeah. cause and effect. Right. And uh, and, and I can't blame them. And I'm going to be more involved as a parent now. Good. In my children's edu education as a result. Right. And the good news is, Trevor, if people are looking to watch something credible, they can watch Trevor Nels and Jimmy Kim on the Jimmy Kim Indeed. Show, right, Trevor? Indeed. And you're going to get the straight truth, 100 percent. Absolutely, 100 percent of the time. That's right. <laughs> All right. Next. So what can you explain to the audience some of the, the, the meaning behind some of those pins you're wearing? Because I noticed them earlier and I and I asked you and I think they're really cool. Yeah. And I'm yeah. proud to wear the. So I wear right. cufflinks. Right. And, those and are the, very nice. And the cufflink yeah. is is yeah. this here. And it's it's the right. Army War College, U.S. Army War College. Right. So as so a, that's for officers, that's the for Army officers. War College. OK. So as a as a it's a selection process, you apply oh. to go. So you can't just. The, Pick together. No, no, no. You, it's oh. it's a board process, and oh, you're wow. selected. Yeah, I didn't know that. They only take a certain number of right. uh, of officers, and it's lieutenant colonels or colonels at oh, the time. Senior officers. And right. it's it's a strategic level course, right. the Army War College, right. and it basically prepares those to become general officers. You cannot be a general, military general, without being an, a uh, a graduate of a war college, whether it's right. Air Force, Navy, Army. So I don't want to be specific, but I'll talk about the Army. Right. I mean, you're the, next, the next rank was general for you. Yes, right? After it had been, it yeah, been a one-star brigadier general, right. and then you move up from there. Right. So I graduated from the Army War College in 2015. It's in Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania. It is one of the most grueling courses I was ever involved in, and I've got a couple advanced degrees, right. you know, one from Central Michigan University. And when you graduate from the Army War College, you come out with a master's degree, uh, strategic studies. So I assure you, Jimmy, when you leave the U.S. Army War College, when you graduate, there is not a Sunday morning talk show, meet the press, any of them, that you can't sit in there and speak articulately, intelligently on whatever topic exists. You get that level of training in the Army War College. And now you got to understand, 2015 wasn't very long ago. That was seven years ago. So I'm already in my mid, mid 40s when I attended the Army War College, and right. and I'm proud to be a graduate, which is why I'm proud to wear the pin. And below that, the shiny, shiny silver uh, badge is called a Combat Action Badge. 
So if you deploy overseas, you're in a right. combat zone, and you're engaged in combat, uh, you're awarded a badge. Excellent. So I wear the combat action badge, and I wear that proudly, too. Yeah, very nice. And I could see that, yeah, that training that you received from the Army War College. Yeah, because yes. as I'm interviewing you and asking yes. you every question, you're able to very effectively answer right well, on the spot. I, I hope I'm doing that. <laughs> if, if not, please, I can provide some clarification sure, if no. need be. No, I wasn't aware. Is it How many years is that program? It's probably about three years? It's two years. It's a mass, the okay, U.S. Army War College okay. is a two-year program. Right, but if, intensive, rigorous. You are very, very yeah. intensive. If right, you right. go full-time, it's 10 months straight full-time. But many of us that are either in the Reserve or Guard, you can't dedicate two years. Right. Uh, full t- so it's, it's a lot of stuff done online, and then you go out for two weeks here and two weeks right. there. And, but uh, very demanding, rigorous course mm. of War College. Interesting. Okay. So your whole career thus far, mm-hmm. what are some of your, your, like, your number one best moment? If you can of recall all my something. careers? Yeah. I know, once again, there's a lot there, but just one thing you can go back on for the sake of time. For the sake of time. I believe being elected as the Precinct 4 Constable back in 2012 was a, a wonderful moment. Okay. Now, you got to remember, at the same time, my twin brother was, was elected as the sheriff. And you know we're very, very close. Right. Yeah. We live next door to each other. Oh, really? Nice. So, you know, if, if when he feels good, I feel good, and vice versa. But we were able to, uh, we were successful that election night where I won the constable seat and he won the sheriff's race. Excellent. So I will always remember that moment when we were headed to our campaign headquarters and we got out of the, we, I drove and he drove and we just happened to arrive at the same time. Nice. And we saw each other before we walked in because it was a very big crowd. Was it and, Freedom Hall? No, it wasn't Freedom Hall. Believe it or not, it was at Clancy's. I don't, know. I don't know where that is. Yeah. So we didn't even walk in. We walked to the side and soared to the back, and I, yeah. I teared up. I, wow. I, I think I was crying. Hmm. But it was such a good, a great moment, not only for myself and my family, but also for my twin brother, because I felt very, very good for him too. Right. So it was tears of joy, but I'll never forget that moment. Right. And then... Graduating from the Army War College in 2015, that was a memorable moment for me because, believe it or not, there were times I didn't think I was going to finish. Well, this is that difficult. No. It, it, was, right. it was for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it took sort of resilience, encouragement. Right. I contacted my instructor, you know, and, and my instructor um, provided me some encouraging words. But in the end, if you put your mind to something and you finish, that's applaudable. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and that's what I did in those, situ- in those circumstances. So uh, the 2012 election was a great moment. Of course, uh, 2015, graduating from the Army War College. Wonderful memories. Yeah, truly inspirational to the audience out there. Thanks. Whenever you had any adversity in your life, mm-hmm. how did you overcome and keep going? Adversity. Yeah. What is your best strategy for coping with that? Your faith, my faith. Oh, you're in Christian. My, uh, absolutely. Okay. That helps my you. faith yeah. in God yeah. has has um, brought me through the different times in my life, challenges, adversity, crucibles in life. If you want to resort to it as that. Right. But uh, it, you know, back in May of twenty. One of my deputies was, was shot and killed while responding to a burglar alarm out in Siena Plantation. And his name, uh, Caleb Rule. In fact, this past week, Fort Bend County dedicated a building, a public safety annex, and it's called the Caleb Rule, R-U-L-E, Public Safety Annex and it's located out there toward Fulcher off the West Park. So it was back in May of 2020, May 29th, in fact, I wear the, his bracelet. Oh, okay. Yeah, his, his wife, Eden Rule, provided this bracelet to me there in the building dedication. But when I think of some of the adversity, or it was the early morning hours of that May 29th when I received the call that one of my deputies had been shot 
So then immediately you're thinking, well, who shot him, so on and so forth. But as, as I'm responding to the scene, I, f I found out it was a friendly fire. It was a sheriff's deputy that had shot my deputy. And my deputy uh, uh, died as a result of the injuries. But that's a day that you will never forget. So if you ask about those moments as a right. police officer, law enforcement officer, uh, that is probably the one day in my 30-year law enforcement career where I will never forget that. And I've had some others. Right. But uh, that specific time uh, was because no leader, chief, constable, sheriff ever wants to have that happen. Have that happen where one of their deputies is killed. And that happened on May 29th of 2020. And May... Uh, Caleb, rest in peace. He will never be forgotten in Fort Bend County. That building's named after him, and it's appropriate. And I believe his family and his children now know that Caleb will never be forgotten in Fort Bend County. In fact, there's some legislation that came out of Austin, and it's, it's, it's named after Caleb Rule, where the children of law enforcement officers or public safety professionals that are killed I believe that uh, there's an education fund that will allow them to go to school. Right. And I'm and in agreement with that. I think it's uh, they did a great job by passing that so that Caleb's children will be able to attend college. All right. Well, condolences go out to Caleb, yeah. his family, and yes. the department. Yes. And to wrap up the show, Trevor, so one tip to be successful in military and law enforcement. Your, your best advice to anybody out there. Never compromise your integrity. Always tell the truth. You know, sometimes I tell my children, it's not the act itself, it's lying about it. So, for example, if your teenager has a 10 p.m. curfew and he comes back at 11 p.m. and you ask him or call the, your teenager to question and they lie about it, say, no, I came home at 10. Now their integrity is called into question. Right. And it may be that way for many, because you're going to lose trust with the parent. Yes. So even if you enter law enforcement or military, just always be yourself, but be honest. Don't lie, because no, lying's going to do you no good. Yeah, and other people out. are going to sort of recognize mm -hmm. that, yeah. and now your integrity is called into question. Right. When you and I were talking earlier, the deputy would sit across, or the applicant, and we'd talk about integrity. Right. Never compromise your integrity. We're on the same page, Trevor. That's one of my favorite words. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right, Trevor. Uh, Colonel Nels, salute. Yes. Thank you. Jimmy. Thank you for coming on to the show. And to the audience out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next week, Monday, 12 to 1 p.m. Have a great day. Goodbye. Thank you.